In news, NC Church Billboard, Second Commandment versus Second Amendment, Mebane, North Carolina. Days before it was even up on I-85 and I-40, a billboard sponsored by the North Carolina Council of Churches began receiving national attention. The coalition of 18 denominations commissioned the billboard displaying the second commandment, you shall not make for yourself an idol, with an image of guns and bullets. The attention, says executive director Jennifer Copeland, is to remind people that for some, guns have become a symbol of safety, or what some in the religious community might say as idolatry. She says the reaction is intense. We know that we have struck a chord out there. And at the end of the day, that's what you want, right, is to generate some discussion about a difficult issue. The thing that has surprised us is some of the raw hatred that has come through. The billboard will be up for a month. The billboard will be up for a month. And Copeland says the intention is to start a discussion and remind people that in her group's view, the debate over gun laws should be focused on gun safety. Opponents of stricter gun regulations argue that they could impede their Second Amendment rights to protect themselves and their family. Moms Demand Action and North Carolinians Against Gun Violence are among the civic groups pushing for background checks and proper gun storage inside homes and businesses. Becky Sertes, with North Carolinians Against Gun Violence, says she feels that the country is at a crossroads and that the billboard highlights that. It's important when we're looking at this moment that there is renewed attention around this issue, which is fantastic because every single one of us should be concerned about gun violence for the safety of ourselves and our families and our communities. Copeland adds, it's important to remember gun safety groups are not trying to violate the Second Amendment rights. Nobody is trying to take away guns from law-abiding citizens. The objective is to have good gun laws that help keep people safe. If you believe you can defend yourself with a firearm, and you have the legal right to carry that firearm, more power to you. Copeland adds that the communities could also become safer by feeding the hungry, welcoming the stranger, caring for the sick, and visiting those who are in jail or prison. But she says that's a message for another billboard. New federal guidelines threaten freedoms for some groups. New guidelines from the Trump administration that claim to protect religious freedoms may actually infringe on more freedoms than they protect. A new report from the Center for American Progress finds that religious exemptions open the door for discrimination across dozens of federal agencies and programs. The guidelines limit enforcement of protections if government employees or third parties that get federal funds decide not to provide services if they feel it goes against their religious beliefs. Study co-author Sharita Gruberg says that while freedom of religion is a core American value, her group's findings show that the administration appears to be interested in securing those values for a select few. Namely, those who have more conservative viewpoints that are anti-women's reproductive rights, anti-LGBTQ equality. Those are the very particular religious viewpoints that have been elevated by this administration. Gruberg notes... The guidelines issued by Attorney General Jeff Sessions in October are already having an impact. Earlier this week, Air Force Secretary Heather Wilson reversed a discrimination ruling claiming a colonel's refusal to recognize the same-sex spouse of a retiring master sergeant was justified based on his religious views. Gruberg says under the guidelines, 
hospital workers could refuse to provide emergency contraception to sexual assault survivors, and government contractors could deny housing to LGBT youths if it conflicts with their religious beliefs. She argues that the freedom of religion was meant to prevent government intrusion, but points out that those liberties have limits, especially when they infringe on the rights of others. And the problem with religious liberty as it's been interpreted by Jeff Sessions is that he's upholding religious viewpoints above other rights. The report says just because the administration is prioritizing religious liberty doesn't mean that it's legal. While some high-profile cases will be decided on in court, Gruberg says it's also important for average Americans to sound the alarm if they experience discrimination. This has been Marissa Jordan for Eye on the Triangle. Last week, I attended the Lulu E Games held at NC State University. This event allows entrepreneurs to pitch their creative ideas to a panel of highly recognized judges and potentially place for a monetary award. With six categories ranging from social and environmental impact to design and prototype, the Lulu E-Games held over 175 group and individual competitors. For each category, the fan favorite video as well as the third place, runner-up, and overall winner were announced and granted their winnings. In regards to the social and environmental category, the club 321 Coffee placed second and won the fan favorite video that depicted their club's vision of blending both the local and special needs community to the sale of coffee. This week, I have the pleasure of sitting down with two of the founders of 321 Coffee, Lindsay and Elise, to talk about their experience and growth with the club. So welcome, guys. It's really nice to see you. Thank you so much for having us. We're really glad to be here. Okay, so uh, to start, how did you guys come up with the idea for 321 Coffee? Did anything in particular inspire you to create the club? Yeah, so I grew up very involved with the special needs community. I started spending time with these kids um, back in elementary school, and I've really grown up with them and been really close friends with them ever since. And I'm so lucky to have had that experience. And, and I saw what was going over gone, going on over in Wilmington with Biddy and Bows, which is a fully operating coffee shop run by special needs individuals. And I was just so inspired with what, how the community was responding and how much support and recognition they were getting both from the citizens of Wilmington but as well as the country and I thought it was such a fantastic concept and one that I really wanted to bring to my community and especially to NC State and my college experience and really provide that experience for the people that I've grown up with the special needs kids but as well as my peers and the other students at NC State and the citizens of Raleigh. That's really, really cool. That's neat. Um, so in particular, does 321 Coffee symbolize anything or how did you guys come up with the name? Yeah, so the 321 in 321 Coffee symbolizes Down syndrome being the third copy of the 21st chromosome. So this is just going to highlight how we're really working on valuing and making use of their unique strengths and their third copy of the 21st chromosome. Awesome. Awesome. Um, Could you describe a typical planned club event? For instance, like what was your club's first experience selling coffee? I don't know if you remember, but. 
Yeah, of course. Our first experience selling coffee was at the Unified Special Olympics game between NC State and UNC. And so what happened is we were in the lobby and we had some regular folding tables. We had our club logo on a banner that we put over the table. Our special needs volunteers came in. They were the ones really serving coffee. So we had about two large canisters that poured about 40 cups of coffee each and they would pull the lever, pour the coffee and interact with the customers as they came up saying, hi, welcome to 321 Coffee. Would you like a cup of coffee? They sat there, they talked with people, all the participants in the Unified Game, the cheerleaders, the parents, the students who were there came up, were laughing, having a great time with them. And so we just, we love doing it because it gives everyone a great experience and have a great time doing it. Yeah, that's really inspiring for you guys as well as I bet the special needs community to do. Um, So what kind of impact do you believe 321 has left on the community so far? And do you think that it will continue to leave an impact? Absolutely. I think it's been incredible. The impact we've seen in just the eight months we've been up and running since we started We started as just a student organization and we've had so many members in the community reach out to us saying things like, I know someone that has Down syndrome. I have someone who's been gifted with special needs in my life. And we've been able to touch those people and touch their lives and just giving these interactions and opportunities to individuals with special needs. We even had a member who's volunteered with us before uh, with special needs email us and say his family has been considering relocating Raleigh just so he can up his commitment and involvement with our organization. And I think as we continue to grow, we'll continue leaving those impact on more and more people. Yeah, I think the special thing of what we're doing is how it's really benefiting all ends of the people involved. So like Elise mentioned, it really has left a significant impact on the special needs volunteers we've been working with. They're so proud of what they they do and what their involvement is with 321 Coffee. And I think that's a really rewarding thing to give to this community of individuals, as well as though I know that every all the students, all the faculty that's been involved, the different people around Raleigh who have engaged with us or come out to volunteer they, they all talk about how much they love the experience. They love the idea. It inspires them and it makes it makes you feel good and it makes you happy just interacting with these people. And I think it's just beneficial on all ends. So I guess you can tell the impact through the Lulu E-Games that you guys recently attended. Can you expand a little bit more on that or what was your experience exactly at the Lulu E-Games? Yeah, so the Lulu E-Games is considered NC State's largest entrepreneurship competition, which features startups in all different categories. They have approximately five different categories, and 321 Coffee was entered in the social and environmental impact category. So there were two rounds of competition. The first one we just got to type some questions out, explain who we are and what our mission was. And we were selected as finalists out of about 180 different startups at NC State. And we got to create a 10-minute pitch in a business plan and go and present that to, to judges and potential investors. And so they basically came to us and we found out we were finalists in the competition and we actually placed second in our category and received $3,000. And then our community voted us as the fan favorite video. So we received an additional $500. And that was just so impactful for us because it was rewarding to see that what we're doing has been succeeding and has been moving along in the right direction and that we know that we're making an impact and we're going to continue to do so. It's also rewarding to see how people are really buying into the idea and also think that this is something that, that can succeed. And we're just really proud of that. Um, so you mentioned that you won overall like $3,500. Uh, what do you expect to do with those winnings? So our next step with 321 Coffee is 
um, launching into serving coffee at the NC State Farmers Market, and we're really excited about that. So far, we've just been popping up at different events around Raleigh and around NC State, so we're excited to have a regular spot to be serving coffee at. And so with that next step, there's a lot of funds. So we're filing for nonprofit status. We're going to be buying a lot more promotional materials as well as just operational expenses for physically serving coffee at a fixed location regularly. So that's what we'll put the money towards as well as just other club expenses and continuing to grow our organization. That's awesome. You guys are super inspiring. Um, Do you think 321 Coffee will expand in the future or how far would you like it to go? Do you want it to be like a storefront or? Yeah. So thinking, thinking long-term and thinking big, we've got, we would absolutely love to see 321 Coffee in a storefront. I think this would be the perfect way to really bring together all members of the community, both students, people in Raleigh, I would hope that people would come to Raleigh and really visit 321 Coffee, just like people would go to Wilmington to visit Biddy and Bo's and use the storefront as a meeting place to form lasting relationships and form those friendships and bonds with members of the special needs community. We hope to keep the ties to NC State and put the storefront hopefully or potentially on Hillsborough Street so that it still got that tie and that college experience. Um, after that, I think it would be fantastic to see 3-2 and Coffee at other college campuses. We've been in contact with other students at college campuses who have demonstrated interest as well as different legislators who have taken interest in us and want to help us with the resources to get there. Okay, so I just wanted to thank you guys for coming out. Seriously, your club is truly inspiring, and I can definitely see you guys having a storefront in the future. Just keep up the hard work. But thank you so much for talking to me and sharing about your experiences. It's been a lot of fun. Well, thank you so much for having us. And thank you for your support. We really appreciate it. Yep. This has been Rachel Jones with Eye on the Triangle. Thanks for listening. Hello, and thank you for joining us here at WKNC's Eye on the Triangle. This is Andre Corbett here, today joined by Madison Maloney. Um, She is the recipient of the Goldwater Scholarship, and she's doing big things for NC State. So, yeah, welcome to the show, Madison. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you. Uh, thank you again for being here. I want to keep saying thank you because you're making NC State look really good right now um, with all those all those brains in your head, um, all the all the smarts, whatever they call it these days, right? <laughs> um, so yeah, the first thing I want to start with is congrats on this major accomplishment in your college career. Has it settled in that you're a Goldwater Scholar yet? Um, I don't think it really has. I got the certificate in the mail like yesterday and a letter from the chancellor. Um, I really wasn't expecting to win the award, so... I don't think it's fully set in, but interviews like this are kind of making it real now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, how long was the whole process for you from start to finish? Um, So I started to apply for the university endorsement back around uh, September, October, because the university gets up to four endorsements for the award. Um, Then over break, over Christmas break, I kind of refined, reworked my application and submitted it for national consideration in January. And then I found out uh, the last Friday in March. Okay. And uh, by the way, what year are you, Madison? I'm a junior. Junior. Okay. So yeah, you've still got uh, time left to leave quite an impact on NC State. Um, So let me ask you about this process. What was the hardest part about it for you? Um, I think kind of learning how to put my story down on paper because the Goldwater is something where they don't want to just see you check off boxes. They don't want to just see bullet points on a resume. They really want to know about you as a person, why you're pursuing the things that you're pursuing, and 
you know, what your plans are to get from point A to point B. And so kind of telling that story um, was what I learned the most throughout the process. But um, I, it was a really enjoyable process and something that I think I benefited, benefited from greatly, even had I not won the scholarship. So do you think there was pressure uh, to try to plan out things that you hadn't experienced yet? Um, maybe, maybe a little bit, but I've, I've always been a planner. So I like to think, you know, five-year plans, 10-year plans all the time. So I'd already considered that sort of thing. Um, but definitely, I felt like I needed to have a lot of things figured out um, when applying to this. Well, uh, you definitely, I definitely give you kudos on that. I can't seem to plan much farther than 10 minutes ahead of my life. So, <laughs> so But how important was this um, scholarship to you on a personal level? Uh, was it something that you were always planning on pursuing? Um, yeah, it's pretty special to me because it's something that I wrote down on paper my freshman year at NC State is something that I wanted to work towards. Um, I'm a park scholar, so since I've been at NC State, there have been three other park scholars, Mia De Los, De Los Reyes, Chris Cooper, and Vishwash Rao, who've all won the gold water. So I had them to look up to, and um, you know, having them as an example really motivated me to pursue this. So I, I knew it was something that I was working toward all along, and you can apply as a sophomore or a junior. I did not mm-hmm. apply as a sophomore, so I knew this was my last shot. So um, it is really special. Yeah, your last shot and your best shot, apparently, right? <laughs> I mean, hey, if you were ever going to like get it, why not be in the last chance? <laughs> um, and speaking of pursuing, uh, speaking of pursuing scholarships, I hear that you're also pursuing a position at NASA. So that's really awesome. Um, what or who influenced you the most in deciding that you wanted to be a part of such a historic organization? Yeah. So this is a story that I really love to tell. Um, back in probably sixth or seventh grade, I became really interested in human space exploration from watching a variety of movies like Apollo 13 and October Sky. And then also I've always been drawn to challenges and it's it represents a lot of the best of humanity, people coming together for a cha- to achieve a challenging goal that's really exciting on behalf of, you know, on behalf of humanity really. So it's something that I was interested in, but being from Eastern North Carolina, you know, there's not really much space industry out there. I didn't know any engineers as I was growing up, but I knew I was good at math and science and I had this interest. So I knew I wanted to be involved in human space exploration, be an astronaut or work for NASA, but I didn't really tell many people initially because I thought it may have sounded a bit outlandish, just given the context. Um, But that all changed around my sophomore year in high school when Christina Koch, who is from Jacksonville, North Carolina, and actually graduated from NC State, was selected as an astronaut candidate. And I can clearly remember reading the headline when she was selected and running and telling my parents. And from that point on to me, it kind of transitioned from this dream that I kept to myself to this thing that I was pursuing full throttle at all times um, because I had seen somebody who had been there and done that. And so since that point, Christina's really been my inspiration. Um, She's kind of a mentor to me now. We communicate every once in a while, check in. Um, So I've been very blessed to be able to look up to her. But I think, you know, it's been a dream of mine for a while, but it really became real when she was selected as an astronaut candidate because I was at a point Um, you know, sophomore year of high school where I had to start thinking about what I was going to pursue in college. And that kind of really uh, solidified it for me. Wow. Uh, Incredible. 
So do you think you want to, like, specifically at NASA, do you actually want to go to space or would you want to help people get there? Both. Uh, <laughs> you wouldn't have to ask me twice to go to space. I'd love to be an astronaut, but um, I'd also like to contribute um, from a research standpoint in yeah. developing those new concepts and enhancing what we know about our current technologies and really making, really taking that next step as we journey further and further out um, to Mars and other destinations. But yeah, ultimate dream would be to become an astronaut, but realistic dream and more immediate dream is to contribute from a research standpoint. Well, speaking of contributing, you could always work at the International Space Station, right? Yeah, there you go. Do both. Yeah, be be up in uh, space and contribute to the research. So do a little bit of both. Hey, I'd take it. (laughs) So who was the first person you called when you won the scholarship? Um, I called my mom. Okay. So. uh, Did she freak out just as much as you did, or probably she probably freaked out a little bit more. Um, I told uh, I was talking to the folks in the fellowship advising office, and they were asking me how I reacted when I found out. And, um, you know, I, I kind of had what Jimmy V would describe as a full day pretty quickly. And that's, I laughed, <laughs> I cried, and I think, and I, and I, uh, I thought, uh, you know, I, I laughed at my mom who was just absolutely freaking out on the other end of the phone. Um, I thought about all the people that helped me get there and just the journey. And then, you know, I cried a little bit. I was moved to tears because I was so excited by the whole thing. But, um, yeah. I'm sorry to my dad. I, I did call my mom first. Boss woman had to know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you won't hear any disagreement from me on that one. <laughs> so uh, did you ever consider any other agencies or organizations like SpaceX? Or um, was that something that you might have thought about, too, another prominent agency? Yeah, um, it's a really exciting time in space exploration. With privatization, there's a lot of people um, shooting for really lofty goals right now. And it's really pushing the field forward, in my opinion. Uh, for me, I'm more interested in the human space exploration side, and NASA's kind of always been the goal. But, you know, I, I think it would also be really cool to work at one of those private space companies like SpaceX, um, you know, where they're, they're moving at a much more rapid pace. But um, in terms of human exploration, right now that's more centered at NASA. But in the future, as that starts to expand out to the private companies, I might would consider trying to go somewhere like that. And of course, you know, in the news as of the past like few years and everything, um, we've seen certain funds allocated to NASA and so on. Uh, but we've also seen a lot of money taken away from the space program throughout the years. If you could speak to the politicians who control that funding, what would you say to them? Yeah, I, I think for for NASA and, and for space exploration in general, you have to consider all of the great things that come out of it. Um, a lot of times it weren't even goals. So stuff like Velcro, really basic stuff that we use every day was developed in space. And there's lots of research going on, cancer research, um, just lots of advancements that can't really be made without that zero gravity aspect. And um, and aside from that, I think it's such a great thing that brings everybody together. Absolutely. You know, I've always said that space exploration, especially human space exploration, is a badge of honor to be worn by every American citizen. And to be able to look up and say, you know, we're doing this, we're coming together, and we're making this challenging goal happen. Um, I think with privatization, you're starting to see more competition for contracts uh, and that sort of thing, which is 
which is great. Um, but uh, yeah, NASA, and I think a lot of people don't realize that NASA has a lot of goals other than space exploration. You know, aeronautics, obviously, space exploration, climate research, um, just a, a lot of different things. So I think it it becomes kind of challenging, uh, you know, when when you have the budget change all the time and you have to shift money around and put focus into different programs, um, which does make long-term programs pretty challenging. But I, I think there's lots to be said about the spinoffs, um, the research from a health standpoint, and then also just what it means for the human race. Yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, if you even if you guys aren't involved in the STEM programs, or even if you're interested in going to NASA, this is something that we all can get behind. Because if we're talking about the progress of humanity as a whole, not just for a certain period, or not just to like as Madison was saying, I get to space, but NASA's made a lot of innovations that we use every day, and we we need to continue to support that and demand that Congress continue to fund that instead of you know instead of other meaningless programs. And, and things like that. I mean, this is a huge opportunity for us to keep advancing forward with NASA. So I definitely agree with Madison on that. Um, Madison, at what age did you first discover that there was a curiosity in how you and how things worked? Like, was there a point where you were just like, hey, I want to know how this works and I want to know how to create my own version of it? Uh, definitely, definitely as a child, I'd probably say five or six. I was always trying to, to build things. You know, I credit to my parents they let me explore you know toys such as legos or bionicles um yeah those were the good uh, ones right yeah the yeah the good ones uh things that i could really build even if they were quote-unquote boy toys or uh or something like that so i always had a knack for building things and and learning about them and also i've been a, a lifelong athlete my dad's a basketball coach um and i used to try to study different plays they were running and then you know draw up my own variations of it I, I like to see how systems work and to me that's that's a system to you know to to run an offense and I, I would try to put my own spin on things and I'd like to see how it's executed and how it plays out in a game with different factors um, that you can't necessarily predict so I, I've always had an interest in the process of things and how how different parts come together to accomplish a goal. And let me say this: you had to be a point guard. There's no way that I was shooting. I was a shooting guard. Yeah, shooting guard. Wow, your dad <laughs> missed out on a major opportunity. If you're making all these plays when he doesn't know about <laughs> it, you could have been a great point guard. Um, how do you think NC State helped you get to where you are today? Um, definitely mentorship, first and foremost. Uh, it takes a village. To get things done and um, I've been blessed to have that since I've been here. Uh, Dr. Scott Ferguson is probably my biggest mentor here. He's a professor in the mechanical and aerospace engineering department and since my freshman year he has really been invested in me not only as one of his students but as somebody that wants to do big things in life and so he's mentored me about career goals, he's been my research mentor and just really put a lot of time and energy into helping me out when that's not required of him, which I am extremely thankful for. Also, the folks in the park office, the fellowship advising office, my friends. I mean, NC State is a vibrant community of many different people, and I think that's one of the best things about NC State to me is 
is the community feel, the family that we have here. And I feel like I have people on my team, so to speak. I have people that would go to bat for me and people that want to help me get to where I want to be. Um, and so I, I definitely say mentorship is is the biggest thing. Absolutely. And um, being that myself, you know, I have a few different mentors. I understand, you know, they help you kind of grow, um, mm-hmm. not just from a developmental standpoint, but from a personal standpoint. You feel as if there's a lot more about the world than, than you, you know, than you might have initially thought. It's it's easy to fall into the trap of, you know, when you're younger, you think, okay, I know everything, you know, and I, I, I don't need assistance with this. But the fact that people can come in and say, no, this is how you do it. And I'm just trying to tell you because I want the best for you. It's not out of some kind of personal, you know, uh, not, it's not out of selfishness. I just want the best for you. That's why I want to keep putting you on and telling you everything that I know. So I definitely appreciate that somebody's, you have somebody like that for you. Most definitely. Um, so one thing I do want to ask you about is, according to world-renowned school, MIT, only about 20% of undergraduate engineering degrees go to females, but only 13% of the workforce for engineering is female. Why do you think those numbers are so low? Um, you know, that's, that's, the big, that's one of the big questions in engineering. Um, I think part of it, I think you're going to see the numbers grow as... Um, you know, it's going to grow over time as girls have more female engineers to look up to. Um, like I told you, Christina Koch was that person for me to be able to s- see somebody that had been there and done that. Um, and, and, you know, as more women go into the workforce and in, in engineering and in STEM in general, I think you'll see those numbers continue to grow. But I think maybe part of it is, um, Aside from that, is, is things like as a kid, like I, like I said earlier, I played with Legos, I played with Bionicles, um, different things of that nature. I, I think when girls are really exposed to it in, at a young age, and, at building things and figuring out how things work, maybe you spark their interest pretty early. I think a lot of things in STEM, you have to capture somebody at a young age because I, I think by the time you get to around middle school or especially once you get into high school, you know, you may have an aversion to math or to science. But if if you can make it fun and hands on at a young age, then, you know, you're engaged. And I think there's lots of great programs right now, different summer camps where girls can go in and, and get that kind of experience and maybe not be intimidated by the by the ratio of people in the room. Um, you know, I think that's very, very valuable. For me, um, it's nothing that I necessarily considered before entering into an engineering program. Um, like I said, I've played sports my whole life. I, I used to go to a basketball camp that was all boys except for me and like two other girls. So I was I was used to kind of being um, one of the only girls in, in a group um, and still still having a good time and still doing what I wanted to do. But um, I think mentorship is, once again, mentorship is huge. And then also getting that engaging experience at a young age. Okay. And to follow up on that, what do you hope that young girls take away from your success and uh, your aspirations? Um, wow. Just, just that they can do what they want to do. And if that's not engineering, then it's not engineering. But, you know, if, if somebody can look at what I've done, especially a young girl, um, and say, you know, maybe maybe I can do it. Then that makes that makes my journey all the more worthwhile. Um, 
just if, if somebody else thinks that they can they can go for what they want to go for they can consider these fields um, and for them to be able to know that someone else is doing it I think is really really important and it's something that I've tried to help out with a lot um, back in my home county Pitt County mm-hmm. um, I'm from Greenville North Carolina originally um, y- you know I've tried to reach out back home so I've spoken with school groups of, of girls that are looking into different fields. I've mentored a student doing a project based on space exploration. I've just really tried to do what I can to give back to that community in that sense and try to be a role model as much as possible because I know how important it is, especially at that, at that stage in your life, to, to be able to have the confidence to pursue that sort of thing. Uh, definitely a great answer. Um, I'm a little lost for words here. I mean, just how well-spoken you are, how articulate you are, um, just as a whole. I mean, it's uh, it's, it's kind of profound to hear things, hear, hear somebody so much smarter than me kind of oh, articulate, kind of articulate how, how much they hope to do for the community, how much they hope to do for humanity as a whole. And it definitely inspires me. Like you make thank me you. want you make me want to work harder to try to better <laughs> myself and those around me. Well, thank you. <laughs> so um, I definitely want to thank you again for being here, Madison. Uh, definitely one of my favorite interviews. No disrespect to any one of my previous interviews, but <laughs> definitely one of my favorite interviews I've done. And uh, re- really, I'm gonna just tell you flat. I tell you, ten to fifteen years from now, I hope I'm interviewing you at NASA. Hey, I, I hope really so do. too. <laughs> like I would be like I'm gonna be on TV either that or be on, I'm gonna be there watching you on TV. Say I, I interviewed her once. <laughs> See, I have proof. I interviewed her once. (laughs) So, uh, again, thank you for joining us. This is WKNC. I am The Triangle. I'm Andre Corbett here with my special guest today, Madison Maloney. And you guys have a great evening, and you can take care.